The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello, hoop ball world, and welcome to Jared and Jared's Super Match Show, a salary cap fantasy basketball podcast. God, that title gets longer every time I say it somehow, even though words aren't being added to it. My name is Jared Russo. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jared Russo. And uh, we are here to discuss fantasy basketball only through the, the lens and context of you're actually paying your players what they're being paid in real life. Um, you obviously can get other insights from this. You can uh, just kind of hear different perspectives, different voices on uh, points leagues, because that's what we primarily focus on. But um, if you get any enjoyment out of this whatsoever, let us know on Twitter. Uh, we've been tweeting about it all day. The official Hoop Ball podcast um, and the official Hoop Ball accounts have been tweeting about them uh, the last day or two. I have a very special guest and I'm going to introduce this person the best I can. I met him in uh, college. He was my professor. I call him Professor John. And uh, we have been doing this league for God knows how long. Since, I don't know, 2010? I wasn't in it if you were doing it in 2010. I remember very specifically uh, that um, former founding co-commissioner Asher, who has an open invitation to rejoin the league whenever she we love feels you, like Asher. it. Um, <laughs> uh, invited me, I want to say, right after the Spurs' last championship because I was really into that run by the Spurs. I am not a Spurs fan. I am a major Spurs and Pop apologist because of their two finals against the Heat. And uh, I had been posting and tweeting about that uh, finals run, and apparently to the to the degree that Asher thought I would enjoy a salary cap fantasy league, and so I joined, and I have ever since. And when Asher has taken time off, I've stepped in to be Jared's co-commish. Yes, and very appreciative. So we're the two co-commissioners. I think when it started in 09, 2010, it wasn't salary, and that was the one I I won the first year. I beat Isaac, who's Asher's brother, and then we switched the salary. So, in the official record books, I've only won one championship. How many have you won? I've won one and a half or two, depending on how you feel about co-managers. I'll give you two. Uh, when, I started by, when I started my current job, um, the first two years, I felt like I needed somebody to help me carry the load of managing my team. Uh, Jared was happy to allow that, and I, I don't know whether the rest of the league was happy or not, but <laughs> they allowed it, and now my uh my co-manager on that team is a member of uh, a sole manager of another team now. Um, and we won one together in our last year of co-managing together. Um, we frankly dominated and we dominated even though Anthony Davis asked out and got shut down, down the stretch of that year. I think it was affecting our playoff run when, when he ultimately got shut down. We completely reconfigured our team in the playoffs on the fly and still won the title. I have you down in the record books as two championships, one second-place finish, one third-place finish. And for me, it is one championship and two second-place finishes. That is how it is recorded. That is how we will roll. 
and of course outside All my right. window. So far this morning, I've gotten <laughs> a, uh, a pickup truck. Um, you know, uh, trash people with their their giant uh, vehicle, motorcyclists. I've gotten air horns. New York City is popping off today, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about New York City. We're here to talk about fantasy basketball and salary cap leagues, which again is not auction drafts. I don't care how other websites list them. Auction drafts are different. This is a salary cap league podcast, although you are still welcome to listen. I don't know if you'll get any enjoyment out of that. We have a few things to bring up. Uh, we have a few listener questions, and we're also just going to get some general impressions and thoughts because we finished our draft last night, but um, me and Jared Ross King are going to do the sort of pick-by-pick coverage. We'll continue the draft recap part two. Um, hopefully you will listen to the part one and, and get familiar with uh, what we're doing. So first things first, John, can you explain the luxury tax apron to me? <laughs> okay, so um, in the nba it's a soft cap league the nfl is a hard cap league and major league baseball basically does whatever they want and it just spins and i think they have luxury tax but there literally is no cap um so the nba is a soft cap league which means there's a cap there is a luxury tax apron and then um that luxury tax apron is the moment that the soft cap becomes a hard cap if you um, if you are under the luxury tax apron, that means you're operating as a hard capped team. If you operate over the luxury tax apron, you basically just have to be made of money um, and be willing to spend whatever, like the Nets right now and like uh, the Warriors during their run, probably still right now because they're having to pay repeater taxes and that type of thing. And so the majority of teams, unless they're the top four to six, I want to say, in an NBA season, are trying to stay under the luxury tax apron, but only your tanking teams like OKC and Houston um, are trying to stay under the cap. Nobody is staying under the cap, because if you think about it, the only contracts just about that aren't uh, enabled or facilitated by that soft cap luxury tax apron distinction are like veteran minimums, and rookie deals. Pretty much everything else is is using bird rights or early bird rights or a sign and trade or something to that effect that allows a team to exceed the cap to keep their own players even if they're just going to sign and trade them to another team or something like that. So um, I want to say three or four years ago in our, uh, our league, our first several years, we tried to stay under the actual cap and man that was hard. And I I mean, I don't know if it was better or worse, but, you know, the more I paid attention to the offseason, I was like, no teams except the tankers are actually staying under the cap. It's just everybody trying to stay under the luxury tax other than like, you know, your your now Brooklyn's, your Golden States, that type of thing. So I suggested we move it to the luxury tax apron. Um, And that also, like, I realized that, you know, Bill Simmons was talking about being intrigued by leagues that had Kobe on the wire and stuff like that. And that was kind of the, y'all's inspiration for starting this league. But um, when we were just trying to operate completely under the cap, it was a, not, a lot more than just your James Hardens, your uh, Russ Westbrooks, your LeBrons, who are 
hanging out there on the waiver wire, you had tons of players that should have been rostered that were on the waiver wire, and that was another motivation toward we're going to use the luxury tax apron. So the 136.6 whatever number that um, that Jared decided on previous episodes is actually the luxury tax apron, and that's the number we've set for our league. Obviously, your league, you can, you can raise your degree of difficulty and be like, we're going to do it uh, under the actual cap. Or, I mean, my recommendation, if you were starting a league from scratch, try the luxury tax apron for a few years, and if that's not, you know, tricky enough for you, then move to the actual cap. Because the actual cap, um, we could look it up on Spot Track. Um, I don't know if you're doing that right now, Jared. No, um, I'm, I'm prepping for our next just... topics. Oh, okay. Well, the actual, uh, the actual, um, the actual cap is much lower. I'm just you do that. Uh, funny enough, we were going to name the podcast my "Luxury Tax Apron," but that's not a good name. Um, <laughs> it's not as know. catchy. And thank goodness you're here, by the way, to explain all of this to the listener, because um, <laughs> most of the the feedback I've gotten is that people really enjoy listening to player analysis. So obviously, a bulk of the podcast will just be like assessing, you know overrated underrated and just like a good guide of like don't pay this person this much this guy's really good at this price how to kind of construct a team but uh every once in a while i think we do need to get into some hard numbers um and some stuff like that yeah speaking of hard numbers so the salary cap is 112 414 so we would have all had about 24 million less to spend in our draft just now that we just finished last night if we were going with the actual uh, cap. And probably, I think that would have had a drastic effect on most of our teams. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, have Bradley Beal. I think I'm, I, <laughs> I'm the only one, who, I think, who finished with any type of like cap space to, to pick another player above like a vet minimum um, or a second rounder. Uh, and, yeah, I, and I, I still would have been over that cap figure easily. I, uh, my last pick I would not have been able to make. Uh I think, I think uh, maybe my last two picks. I don't think I'd have been able to make. I would have had, you know, it would have gotten me to ten players, not twelve. That's the other thing I do want to mention before we dive into your next topic. I hope I'm not. Oh no, you go for it. Anything up? Is I don't know if we've made it clear, um, but on our teams we have twelve man rosters and everyone starts every night. Um, or everyone starts every week. There is no bench. There is an injured reserve, but there is no bench. Um, part of that was designed to make it a little bit more user-friendly for new folks to get in where you're not constantly having to move people on and off the bench every single night or you lose points. But part of that also just reflects actual basketball. Like any guy, 1 through 12, could contribute on any given night. And whether or not they get starters minutes or not, they can help your team. And that's also just why uh, one of the episodes you were mentioning how like, oh, I guess maybe you could try salary cap football or something like that. But the thing with basketball that I think makes it work so much better is like also, there, you know, in a points league, which I'm glad we are, you do, you can boil down every player to that, that one number because anybody on the court can score. Anybody except Ben Simmons, he can't. But anybody on the court can shoot or uh, score or block or steal or rebound um, or, or assist. Fill in for injuries. Anybody can do that. Yeah, anybody can do that. Whereas, like, football, we don't – like, even there are – football leagues that gauge offensive line play but they do it as a as a unit and so if you try to do that salary cap league well 
what are you you're you're buying their offensive line all their salaries together basketball is just such a good fit for this there's fewer players they all contribute on any given night um and they can all be boiled down to that points league stat which we also do you want me to tell them about the experiment we're doing this year as opposed to previous we, years we can we uh, can um no playoffs yeah no playoffs we have ended the we're playoffs. sick of fantasy playoffs and we're um, sick of setting lineups and we're sick of like i mean we're okay with like people like spot starting and you're like oh maybe i'll ride this okc guy because he's starting now for them but like no more regular season for fantasy being meaningless and the only thing that matters is like the last few weeks of the season like that's over like now it's like you have to have a good roster year-round every game matters you only get 82 you know games played per slot so if you're gonna make moves go for it but like you're not trying to like get a game's advantage on people you're just replacing dudes who are hurt or underperforming so we're doing a whole lot of weird stuff but we recommend you do whatever you feel most comfortable with if you're categories you just play categories like this is an addition to fantasy basketball this isn't replacing anything you're gonna do a little legwork to you know just make sure your numbers are all correct but yeah yeah and the other thing is um just like you run into in fantasy football or any sport is like the last weeks of the season get really weird and when that's championship season that just, I don't know, that doesn't sit well with me, partly because of how my season ended last year, but the idea that, like, some teams tanking and resting guys and other teams playing guys when they should have been tanking all the way up till the end, um, I don't like that being the, I mean, it'll still have a role this year, but that role is not an outsized role that it plays when you just have a championship that's the last two weeks of the season. You know, in the NBA, like, 20 of the 30 teams are just resting guys in the last two weeks of the season. So that's that was behind our shift to we're a points league all year long. Um, but, yeah, as Jared said, like, if you're going to do salary, do salary with whatever format you were doing already. And then as you go, you'll discover the adjustments. And, you know, our league's been running long enough. We make adjustments every year, uh, one thing or another. And the this is a major experiment this year. Who knows if it'll stick? I I think I'm going to like it, but you never know. I really enjoyed when I tried it last year um, in a different salary league, and it was kind of thrilling knowing that I only had so many games left and, like, dropping guys and, like, playing the waiver wire and knowing that other people could pick up those dudes and just, like, no one knew who was going to win. It came. It really did come down to the, the final day, which is, like, best-case scenario. But all these experiments over the years led to us figuring out things like IR slot players are only half their salary, which is a good incentive to keep them and not, like, fire sale drop them. Um, and it doesn't punish your team as much, but you still have to, you know, pay the player something. Like, all these little things that we've kind of learned over the years, like, that's just because we kept experimenting and trying to improve our league, which, obviously, if you're really deep into fantasy and you're a commissioner or you're helping a commissioner, like, you want to make your league better. You want to grow it. You want to get people's feedback. You want to make it more open and not just, like, you're playing against auto-draft robots. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we also tweaked the scoring this year. We have not tweaked it to the extent that ESPN did their standard I scoring last year, <laughs> but we are um, uh, we are counting defensive stats more, and I think that that's something I'm watching all year. Like I, I drafted with that in mind, and I, it's something I'm watching all year as to how much that really impacts uh, 
are are scoring this year and you know who who does anybody suddenly become much more valuable because they contribute steals and blocks which are counting double for us um and i would just say whatever your scoring system is become intimately familiar with that scoring system if you want to succeed and and it will only become more interesting when you add salary and the intricacies of your scoring system for your league because then it's not just oh I can get steals and blocks here. Is the steals block boost I'm getting here worth the money? Or is there, you know, you can start to really money ball this thing where it's like, is there somebody who's contributing that is getting paid not very much, but they're going to inflate their score a little bit because they do really well with steals and blocks. I am becoming Billy Bean. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it was funny. Like all these uh, uh, podcasts about the, the actual NBA, not even fantasy, are just like, oh, it's so hard to to figure out in statistics and, and analytics, like, defensive impact, and it's very hard. You have to use the eyeball test, and, uh, you know, guys like Tony Allen or Matisse Thibel, like, they're not fantasy superstars, so doubling up defensive stats might actually make a lot of those players more interesting, um, but we are not doing ESPN's four points for one stat. That's so ridiculous the way they like explain that to you. I hate that. Like, yeah. They also have a five-point shot oh in ESPN standard scoring because you get credit for the points, for the attempt, and the make. And so like, if you if you have a made three-pointer, it actually counts for five, which no. I guess it's kind of like they do with longer field goals in football, but I've, thought, I've always kind of thought both of those, you know, there's a reason that sometimes fantasy people get made fun of for moving further from the game. I don't want to move. I don't want to score too many things further away from the game. Doubling blocks, doubling steals. To me, that makes sense. If you're taking away a possession or you're stopping a shot, you're probably stopping yeah. two points or at least the potential of two points. So why not score that two points for that team? It's a turnover. You're not stopping four points. No. <laughs> there is no five point shot in basketball, and like. I, I... <laughs> I understand that, like, in PPR, like, for football, like, certain guys are better. Like, that's whatever. I actually think first down is, is like, getting extra point for that is better than just, like, oh, I caught it, and I lost two yards, but I actually gained fantasy points. Like, that's stupid. <laughs> but, no, yeah. ESPN, I had Luca last year, and, like, he scored, like, 100 points in a game, like, in fantasy, and I was like, this is wrong. This feels wrong. This is not indicative of, no, I'm sorry. Like, it, it should be very rare to, like, break, like, 50 and he was just like oh yeah just luca put up 80 fantasy i was like what like that doesn't make any sense we're not here to talk about espn uh or versus yahoo <laughs> or cbs or fan tracks uh we are here to talk about a few things so first john your team has no players making over 20 million dollars how did you pull this off okay so based on some of these tweaks we made and i'm that's one of the reasons i'm glad we covered them um I always have a different draft board than almost everybody else in our league. Um, you and I went back and forth about this through the whole draft where you're like, these are the guys. And, and some of it, I agreed with you. Your top five or six, I, I didn't really have a quibble with that. But um, beyond that, you know, I'm always going to value the cheap guys because for me, the thing that I keep noticing every year that I play is that a low floor hurts you worse than a low ceiling um, there's a couple different roster construction strategies. Uh, for a long time, the dominant one in our league was what I, I refer to as stars and scrubs. So you get you know three or four 
megastars who have those max contracts and you know are going to put up great numbers every time out. And then you go to those tank teams like OKC in Houston. Uh, at the time that I joined the league, it was Philly. <laughs> and you pick as many of those guys off who they're going to get a ton of minutes and a ton of usage and they're getting paid nothing. And you put those together and if you put them in the right, you know, proportions, you may have a championship team. And I've, I've used that before, but one of the things that becomes really difficult with that is that you have, you know, somebody, uh, one of the picks I wanted in the first round that I flipped it, literally flipped a coin between my guy and that and um, was Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. is making like $1.7 million and they've cleared the runway for him. They're giving him the keys in Houston. John Wall's not going to play for possibly two years now because they want Kevin Porter to run that offense. So he could be the steal of the draft and, and that owner could blow us all away. But if Kevin Porter gets hurt, let's say Kevin Porter is lighting the world on fire, but he gets hurt or we happen to know Kevin Porter is a little bit of a hothead and and might have some off the court incident or something like that and not get to play halfway through the season. Or Lamella Ball breaks his thumb or whatever. It happened last year. Yeah, how do you replace Kevin Porter at 1.8 million if he's actually handling that level you of don't. production for you? Exactly. And so Stars and Scrubs is, you know, you're taking risks and, and really that means you do a lot of work of churning through those guys on those low rookie deals and vet minimum deals to make sure that you've got guys that are performing. I decided to take a different approach after that coin flip. I didn't pick Kevin Porter. I picked Damanis Sabonis in the first round, who is getting 35, at least in our league, 35 fantasy points a night, and he's under $20 million. He's my highest paid player on my whole team. And once I, once I made that choice, I was like, you know, I didn't set out to go under $20 million. I did think if I got a good value on, like, if the board was lining up to where a BAM like you drafted or a Donovan Mitchell or something was going to fall to me in the back half of the draft, I probably would have grabbed him. But as it went, um, those guys were going before I was ready. I was trying to build guys that weren't on those like no-budget contracts. I have one or two, uh, I guess three if you count NAW. But I didn't want any more than 25% of my roster on those guys that are just super hard to replace if they get hurt. Um, so I started you know, tackling mid, mid-tier mid guys. Like uh, Anthony Edwards was my second-round pick. Um, he's at like $10 million. Um, And those numbers give you a lot more flexibility to trade. They give you a lot more flexibility. You know, you can then chase a scrub if they get hurt or something like that, and you can actually keep them on your team. Um, I will say the one thing about Kevin Porter that'll be great for that owner. If he does get hurt, you can keep him on IR for less than a million bucks, but you're not replacing his production. There's there's no way to do that. So, um, so as the as the board kept going, I was like, I'm I'm just going to keep chasing these guys with high floors, and I think I have enough guys with a high ceiling that I don't know. We'll test it out. Maybe by the new year, I will be kicking myself and I'll be in a big hole and I'll be trying to chase you guys down and cursing the way I drafted this year, but. It seemed to me that the value, as the, you know, as my board was appearing to me and as the draft was coming to me, was tackling those guys between like seven and twenty million. And I have a tons of those guys. I have six guys um, between like t- 
10 and 20 and then I have a few more in the like 7 to 9 and then I got those three guys under 5 and if one of those dudes is underperforming or gets hurt you can completely just swap them out for there's still a lot of rookies left on our waiver wire so like Evan Mobley's making 8 million dollars like you just slot him in if he's doing great like it's a lot yeah. easier just to kind of like replace dudes um, at, I mean, it's easy with, like, big superstars, like, making gigantic contracts, but it's also kind of easy to do, like, mid-level ones. It's the it's the small numbers that are the toughest thing. Like, oh, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. got hurt. I'm going to replace him with Carmelo Anthony because they make the same amount of money. Like, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony's not doing what Kevin Porter Jr. did late last, last season. Like, that's just not happening. So um, this is going to segue nicely, John, into a few questions we got from someone in our league who wanted to remain anonymous. And they wanted to know a few things, so let's toss out some names. Um, favorite player under $10 million. This is a cheat because I'm looking at the list right now, and like most of the second, third, fourth round players in our league who got drafted are making less than $10 million. Like, that's so impossible to say. Like, Yeah, I mean... I would just answer that by saying the top three people on my board. I knew I wouldn't get in Luca. I mean, obviously, if he had fallen, I, I picked at six. So if he had fallen to six, I mean, we we would have honestly had to disinvite the first five players because they passed that is Luka. Correct. But <laughs> but if he had somehow fallen to six, I would have taken him. But the first, the next three players on my board um, were um, not Demontis, who I actually took. But um, I would say if Michael Porter was was vaccinated. He would have been in there, but it would have been Shea, Michael Porter, and Kevin Porter. Michael Porter dropped because he wasn't vaccinated. I have no idea how many games he's going to play. You'll find out. But uh, those and all three of those guys were, you know, Shea's in the fives, uh, Michael Porter's in the fives, and Kevin Porter's in the, you know, 1.7. And like I said, I flipped a coin on Kevin Porter because, you know, if, if he hadn't had the off-field or off-court incidents that got him to Houston – um, I might have, I might have not even left it to a coin flip. I might have chased him, but uh, because of that, um, I just thought there was enough uncertainty that I was going to wait to the second round and I was going to snatch him up if he made it back to me in the second round. He got taken right after my pick, and I kind of I moped about that for a little, not as much as I moped about Shea getting taken right right ahead of me. But then, um, you know, I committed to my Sabonis Edwards my. I'll call it my middle class strategy, and uh, and we'll see how that works out for me. I, I feel I feel confident today, but obviously it's easy to feel confident after you've drafted. It'll be a little harder by like you know December fifteenth. Revive the middle just like class. all the all I'll just that. name your team that. <laughs> my uh, I'm looking at this list and like some of the best players in a salary cap league are under ten million. Luca barely makes over ten. So to answer this person's question. Like, John Morant makes less than 10. Um, uh, I, I went with the rookie Jalen Green, uh, R.J. Barrett, Kemba, Trey Young, LaMelo Ball. Like, the best young players in the league are making ten, less than $10 million. So that's, like, one of the hardest questions to answer. I, I guess maybe he meant, like, on our teams who we like under 10 the most. I mean, I went with uh, Tyler Hero. I, I like that pick a lot. I, I picked up um, Alperin Sengun. Um, God, I hope he just comes out of the gate and just like, sorry, Daniel Tice, like your your bench, like this kid's amazing. Um, I have Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Ree Hachimura. Those are all guys under ten who are on my team who I quite enjoy. Uh, how about you? Um, 
my my third rounder was Nikhil Alexander Walker and his starts last year if you just look at the games he got to start but uh, because he was you know Lonzo was ahead of him Eric Bledsoe was in the mix last year in New Orleans uh, so he didn't get many starts but the games he started he was putting up great numbers and he's at 3.2 million and so like you and I have gone back and forth about, you know, well, they just paid Josh Hart $12 million. Is Josh Hart going to start ahead of him? Um, they traded for Tomas Sadaransky. Is oh, Tomas Sadaransky And start. they have uh, Devontae Graham. Um, well, Devontae Graham's getting that point guard slot. Nikhil is not a point guard. But um, I think Nikhil is going to end up, if he's not starting, it's going to be like, he's going to be functionally starting. He's going to be getting 25 to 28, you know, 25, 28 or more minutes a night. And he can put up numbers. So that, I went with him in the third round. That was my first under 10 million pick. Um, you know that it ha- you know how to pronounce the Spurs center name better than I do. <laughs> I know I know the last name Pertle. I'll Jacob just go with Pertle. Pertle from the Jakob Pertle. Um, he had once Lamarcus Aldridge uh, was a net and then retired. Um, Pertle had some. He was like a nightly double double for the Spurs. And there's even. But then they also had, they were playing DeMar DeRozan at the four, and they were playing Rudy Gay as a small ball five. Well, both those guys are gone now. So Jakob Pertl is probably going to be a nightly double-double again, and he's right in that like eight, high eight, low nine million range. So as far as my team, I would say those are my two guys that I'm expecting under 10 million to produce the best for me. You went with an insane lineup construction of all centers, and they all make less than 10. <laughs> Um, Daniel Gafford, Wendell Carter Jr., Jakob Pertl, uh, Zubac. Um, I mean, your commitment is uh, you. You go for it, my dude. Like blocks, double. Yeah, I mean, give me every center available. I love it. <laughs> that that definitely was the lo- was part of the logic. It was you know, even in our old you know everything's worth a point league or, or that scoring system centers. They get undervalued in the NBA, so you're not paying a lot of centers $20 million or more unless they're Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and so you got a lot of cheap guys, and then they're also, they're even under the old scoring system, they, they're a nightly double-double threat. That gives you 20 fantasy points. Well, now blocks are worth double, and so that might get you closer to 30 a night. And and again, there's so many of them are cheap. And then I, I went with a few guys over ten million. Uh, Valanciunas, um, Capella, who has a sore Achilles right now, and hopefully he'll he'll be ready by the start of the season. But all of them under twenty million. Obviously, like every other player on my team under twenty million. But like those guys, like that's what I mean by a high floor. I feel like I have a high floor because I have so many centers, and the ones that have the lowest floor are the guys like Isaiah Stewart and Daniel Gafford who might have a roster log jam to deal with, but they're making under $5 million. So I can replace them or I can just ride their production. Cause if they give me even 21, 24 minutes a night, they even play even half time. I'm probably getting enough production to justify keeping them. We're going to fly through these other ones and then we're going to wrap up rookie of the year pick. I was a little confused when he said that, too. Is he talking about Rookie Owner of the Year? No. Is he talking about the rook Fantasy Rookie of the Year? Um, I mean, Kate and Jalen are probably going to be the, the, you know, I should say Kate and Jalen Green are probably going to be competing for NBA Rookie of the Year, and they're probably going to both put up great uh, NBA fantasy stats. I will say um, 
Jalen Suggs was the other rookie that I really had an eye on because his value for his contract is in the sixes as a top five pick. And, I mean, who's Orlando got other than him? They're giving him the keys. He's he's going to be not running Mo their Obama offense. They're the keys? <laughs> uh, Mo Bama might end up complicating my life because I also have Wendell Carter Jr. But, uh, no, Jalen Suggs is is the straw that stirs the drink in Orlando, and he's only making $6.5 million. He's going to get all the usage he can handle. And I'm not saying that he'll, you know, lift him to the play-in game or anything like that, but I think the numbers for his value, like top three picks, you know, when it's not that they don't make, they don't make a ton, but they there are more expensive rookies than others, and I think Jalen Suggs kind of hits that sweet spot between, you know, they're making – not that much money, and they're going to put a lot of production. The correct answer was Alperin Sengun. Thank you for playing. Uh, <laughs> breakout sixth man, I guess just a picking six, you know, sixth man of the year. Um, I don't know the rosters and who's starting or not well enough to know who's coming off the bench. Like, Montrez Harrell apparently is coming off the bench, and like, he yeah, won it well. two years ago. I don't know. Yeah, for well, and fantasy six man of the year is different too, because then it's like, are they starting on your roster? I guess. I mean, let me look at our rosters again. I might have a, a better idea I, as far as a bench player. Um, I will say this: probably your co-host that you'll be talking mm-hmm. tomorrow. He grabbed uh, Patty Mills in his next to last pick. So the 11th round, he got Patty Mills. And Patty Mills has been a great you know, bench player for the Spurs for years, but then you've got this whole Kyrie Vax thing where for half the games, Patty Mills might be starting, and half the games, he's coming off the bench. Um, and so that, you know, I, I said in our chat, uh, like in that wonderful 2014 run, Mike Breen said about him, that man can shoot, and he can, and he can run an offense, and he can distribute. Um and if he is running with the first unit for half the season, I think Patty Mills is probably that that guy. I, you know, it's probably going to be some person that we haven't even considered. Like, it's going to be some like <laughs> dude on like Memphis or something who's just like, wow, I, I didn't see that one coming. But you know, like, oh, Dallas decided to not let Moses Brown start, but Sixth Man of the Year, Moses Brown. Like, it's just going to be something so ridiculous that like no one can predict it. Which like. I don't know if you know this or not, but it seems like humans are very bad at predicting because a lot of people do it professionally throw, and they just, like, they bat 500. On that note, I'll throw another possibly bad prediction, possibly accurate one out there since you mentioned Dallas. Jalen Brunson, um, he plays a lot alongside Luka because Luka's got the size that he can play at the two or the three as well. And Jalen Brunson's only making $1.8 million. Um, he put up really good numbers down the stretch last year. And also, Trey Burke is another one of these vaccine-hesitant players who may, you know, who would be competing with uh, Brunson for playing time. I think Brunson's going to get more minutes than he did last year. And, you know, any number of people other than Luka in that offense could could be starring on any given night. But for what Jalen Brunson's making, you know, I'd throw his name in there. It is so wonderful to have you on the podcast you are welcome back anytime. You are obviously the first inaugural guest and uh, inaugural boy. 
It's like I've been recording a podcast for a half hour. Um, so wonderful to talk to you, Professor John. Uh, you can stay anonymous and make people not, you know, harass you, uh, or you can share your Twitter handle if you really feel like uh, talking to the public. It's up to you. I'll just say this: if you if you said on one of your other episodes you didn't want to get political, and if you go follow my Twitter handle, you're, it's got, things are going to yeah, be political. So I'll stay anonymous. Mine, mine too. <laughs> I, all I do is I retweet like. You know, like, hey, it only costs this much to save the planet, but, like, every politician votes against it, and it's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, if we want to stay apolitical, I should probably not share okay, my Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> but we're going to have you on one of these days to talk about all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, thank you again, and thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow Hoopball. There's a whole bunch of ones. There's, like, um, news updates on one Twitter account. Obviously, I think Hoopball's on Facebook and, you know, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. Follow Dan Bespris. He, he does the main one because I know most people play, like, eight or nine cat category leagues, which I try. I just, I, I, no, not for me. I can't. I can't deal with, like, oh, he shot poorly. You lost the week. It's like, what? I hate it. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, subscribe, rate, all that other junk. You're an adult listening. I don't have to tell you to do all that. If you like the thing, you know how to give it five stars. You're, you're not stupid. So, you stay classy out there, world, and we will see you soon. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.